This is Rashawn Slater, first round draft pick for the LA Chargers, and you're listening to the Charged Up Bolts podcast. Bolt up. Good day, Bolt fam. We're just a couple of uh, days away from week five on the LA Chargers on the road at the Cleveland Browns. You're tuned in to Charged Up Bolts podcast. I'm your host, John Walls Jr. And today I'm joined by my good buddy over in Texas, um, John Ayres. How's it going, buddy? Just over here living the dream, my friend, living the dream here, having uh, some local coffee because I didn't make my own my own espresso machine. So it's just wonderful. I've just had a uh, I've just had a vanilla Nespresso. What, what are you drinking there? Uh, it is a seasonal fall latte with oat milk. I'll tell you what I I like regular milk. OK, I, you know, give him give, give me milk from a nipple, whether it's cow's nipple or goat's <laughs> nipple does not matter. I like both kinds of milk. However, I had a latte with a with oat milk on accident one time. Uh, I don't know if they put it in wrong or whatever. Give me the wrong drink. And it is amazing. The oat milk makes every latte taste more like a like a like a pastry than it does a coffee. It's amazing. So, you know, usually I'm an Americano guy, so I don't really like to load up my stuff with too much cream and sugar and stuff. I like just, you know, the, the, the espresso and, and the hot water. But when I get a latte now, I always get the oat milk. And I'm telling you. It's going to change your life if you do this, especially during the fall. The pumpkin, these pumpkin lattes with oat milk is like a freaking pumpkin pie crisp. I had one place they do. It's a blueberry syrup. And I'm like, blueberry syrup. That's for like, you know, something else. No, blueberry syrup, oat milk, a little bit of cinnamon. It literally tastes like a blueberry scone crisp, like granola. It's just amazing. Like I, I, I cannot recommend getting oat milk in your coffee high enough and i know and i know that sounds a little frivolous well but it, I, it's amazing I, I, i've got news for you i mean obviously john uh talking to everybody there not just myself but uh we have a brand in the uk called oatly um and i, I buy think i've it. seen that yeah 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 well it comes in a tetra pack which is not plastic it's supposed to be better for the environment mm-hmm. but they um in my coffee which is a vanilla and espresso as i've just said they do a vanilla oatly and you can drink it straight out the the, the carton you can add it to your your lattes or whatever. Um, and yes, we do. We use oat milk. Um, my wife likes the coconut uh, uh, barista uh, flavor as well. Um, I've started having almond milk, which is great. The the unsweetened one, but the, yeah. the sweetened one's really cool on cereals. So yeah, I'm with you. I've I've sort of trying to move away from milk because I get a bit of an upset stomach, especially if I drink too much of it. So. Uh, yeah, I'm all in on oat. I think we should get hold of Oatly and see if they want to sponsor the charge. We should. It's, it's quite good, actually. I, I I will get Oatly too at the store if I can get my hands on it. Yeah. Um. It's it's good. It's good. You know what? They have another kind at my store, and it's like, but it's more like thick and creamy. And I'm like, no, no, no. I like a I like a thinner oat milk, right? I don't yeah. like this cream. I don't want cream. I want milk, right? Because it's the idea here. So yeah, Oatly does a good job with their oat milk, and I like it unsweetened. I'm not a big sweetened. Uh, oat or almond milk. I, I don't like sweetened milks. I like regular milk, and then I yeah. have to add my own sweetener. So, yeah, agreed. I mean, some of the some of the the brands are sweet enough as they are, but um, sometimes I just like a regular americano. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm not a coffee connoisseur like you, John, but I tell you what really annoys me when I'm when I, certainly in the UK, I'll say an americano milk. Well, if I wanted milk, I would have said I'll have a uh, an americano with a side of milk. Just, yeah, I just or want a cafe, americano. La- a cafe yeah. latte, like yes. allow, like cafe uh, I con leche. You know, I, like I, I what, do... are you, what are you giving me? I, 
Americano is just an espresso with extra hot water in it. That's all it is. For anybody who does not know that, it's basically what coffee is when it's not drip coffee. My 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 understanding is uh, the U.S. Uh, military came over obviously during the Second World War, and I, and I believe the Italians and the French gave them extra strong coffee, so the, the American troops would put water in it. Hence the term Americano. It is yeah. my favorite coffee. Although there's nothing worse than a bad one if it's too bitter, if the mm. water's too hot, um, you know, it, it does spoil the coffee. But there's nothing better than a great Americano. And do you know what? This is going to sound really crazy. Black coffees, just a regular black coffee. I'm I'm not going to give them any airtime. They get enough money. There's a there's a world famous burger brand out there, and in the UK, their coffee is exceptional. And literally, the pound and dollar is on almost on parity. It's a, it's about ninety nine cents a cup, and it, it's hot. But it is great. But I, I'm not going to give him any airtime. You could probably work out who it is anyway. Yeah, probably. But I'll say this: I am a coffee connoisseur. I am a coffee. I know snob. you. Are. I lived in Costa Rica, <laughs> and half the reason I agreed to move to Costa Rica is because they have great coffee. coffee. So I will say that on in all honesty. So, but I will say this: I learned to drink coffee in the Navy, and I promise you. That is not fancy coffee. We're talking Folgers. We're talking instant coffee stuff like Nescafe. Oh, yeah. Like if you could get Nescafe, that was high quality. Usually oh, it was Folgers. So it was, it, was not, so, it was not great. It was tar. We called it go juice. Here's, but, a, here's um, a story for you. Similar to you. So you, you, obviously we have coffee and tea in the UK. Well, we used to call it coffee tea. So we used to go on the ranges, obviously, you know, you know annual firing uh, camp yeah. and stuff. And we had these contain, containers called Norwegians because they were they – were, they were basically designed for operations in Norway, keeping food hot, keeping hot water hot, you know, thermal. But obviously, when you go to the, the canteen, the dining facility, they don't wash them out properly. So the coffee and the tea just tastes like coffee and tea mixed. Hence the term coffee. Man, it was absolutely garbage. Absolute, but one thing is, John, over the last sort of 10 years, it may even be longer. I have not touched instant coffee. Man, that's disgusting. That's like microwave tea. In fact, it's probably worse than microwave tea. It's it's not ideal. I will say that um, <laughs> it's not. It's not ideal, but you know, you know, you got to do what you got to do. Look, here's the deal: coffee is not just a drink that you drink because you enjoy it. Because I, I know a lot of people do. I do, but sometimes it's a necessity. Sometimes nothing happens until I get my coffee. Yep. So that's. I hope everybody enjoyed the coffee talk uh, chat. Uh, char- <laughs> charged up coffee chat. It's uh, you know. Uh, wonderful chat, and we'll see you guys next time. <laughs> keep your keep those lattes hot and, and tasty. Let, let's uh, let's have a quick chat about the football. Um, John, oh, I guess uh, we could talk about the Chargers. We, we could they, talk they, about they, the Chargers. Why not? Um, come on, let, let's talk. Let's talk Houston for a bit, and then we'll we'll get on to the the, the salient point of those Cleveland Browns. What, what's your hot takes from from Houston? Um, we disappointed. We're just pleased to get the, the W. Um, I was happy. It was a great game, at least in the first half. First half, they looked like the team they were supposed to be all year, right? The defense was kicking in. The offense was was dominating possession and, and sustaining long drives and scoring at the end of drives. Like, that is what I was expecting from this team, right? If if we played every half like we did that first half, we'd be undefeated. We'd be a, we'd have a perfect season. We'd win, we'd win the Super Bowl. Like, that is exactly how to play the game. Great defense, good offense that ends with points every drive, right? Unfortunately, the second half reared its ugly second half head again. <laughs> and this team just like, I don't know. I don't know what happens at halftime. I, I really don't. 
but something happens. And I don't know if someone goes in there and says, Hey guys, we've got a good lead. So, you know, just don't get hurt in the second half. I don't, Cause that's what it looks like. It looks like they're playing to not lose playing to not get hurt. And it's pathetic, right? You can tell me about being aggressive with the ball you want, but either Lombardi is dialing it back when he has a lead, which is not uncommon for him. If you watched any of the games last year, I don't know if people lose focus and lose their edge when they don't have uh, when they're, when they're when they're playing with the lead, but either way, it's just poor, poor football. And you know, uh, the run game has been mostly good. I mean, I watched that game uh, live, and then I watched it on replay, and the run defense was mostly good for the day. I would say the for the you know seventy percent, eighty percent of the of the day, the run defense was good. But those twenty percent that they were bad, I mean, they were pretty bad. So um, you know, it, it's scary. You know, and we'll talk about the next game coming up against the Browns here in a second. But, you know, when you're going to, if you're going to play a team with an elite run game, uh, like we do coming up, that is a scary thought. Now, the good news is, is they're not getting rushed up the middle for 600 yards a game. Like they were last year. But like every, <laughs> every game was like 300 yards. It doesn't matter who they played. You know, the corpse of Jamal Charles came out of retirement and he ran for 200 yards on the Chargers last year. It just, Yikes. everyone, everyone did. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and and nothing against the Texans run offense and nothing against Damian Pierce. I like Damian Pierce. He's a guy I actually would have thought the Chargers might have had their eye on if they if they wanted to wait and Spiller wasn't there in the fourth. Uh, Damian Pierce was someone I thought, hey, maybe they might actually go after because he fit like a mold of what they probably would want as their 1B running back. Um, but, I mean, who knew that, you know, our Lord and Savior Joshua Kelly would come back and rise from the dead. Um, but, um yeah, so it not no offense to them, but they're not Nick Chubb and Cream Hunt, right? They're not the Browns, you know. They're not the you know, the Ravens. Well, the Ravens run game is kind of kind of trash this year, but they they've been really good in the past, right? They're not one of these elite running teams, in my opinion. Um, so for them to get gashed like they did is very very scary to me. Um, however, you know, good news, they held it up. They made the bl- the big plays when they needed to make them. And they won the game. I even spoke something into existence when I was like, hey, Chargers really need like a five or six minute drive with a touchdown that would ice this game out. And lo and behold, they actually did it. So, you know, I mean, uh, that's what good teams do, though, right? Good teams get the ball back with eight minutes left in the fourth quarter and a small lead and say, you know what? We're going to expand the lead and we're going to chew up as much clock as possible, thereby basically icing the game, even with some minutes left on the clock. Right. So. They did what they needed to do at the end of the game. So ultimately, that lag in the middle there, in, uh, you know, between the beginning of the second quarter and halfway through the fourth, or sorry, beginning of the third quarter and halfway through the fourth, um, you know, that was not fun to watch, and it was scary and poor special teams and mistakes on the run D really, really worried me about like looking like the old Chargers, but. They held their own and they got the W, which at the end of the day is all that's important, right? You know, we talk about how atrocious that Denver uh, game was the other night. I mean, just, oh, that was, it was hard to watch. Really hard to watch. I mean, I enjoyed it because, you know, watching Denver just flop around like a dead fish. I mean, that was, that was amazing. I mean, I can't lie. I love it. And, And the reaction and the memes today are just beautiful. But I will say, no one's really gonna remember that game at the end of the season. If the Colts make the playoffs somehow, right? They'll yeah. they'll just know, hey, that was a W on their calendar, right? Uh, or it was just a loss on the Denver's calendar before they turned around, whatever, right? So at the end of the day, it does not matter, right? You know, my guy uh, who uh, I chat with a lot online, Jamie Messina, good graphic artist guy, helped me uh, design a sticker actually for out here. He always says, like, I don't care how they win. Ugly win is better than a pretty loss, right? 100%. So 100%, right? Just the W, and that's all that matters. We got the win in a game we should have won. 
Uh, and now we move on to the Browns, right? So what, what do you think of the game? I, 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 I never thought that we were, we were going to give up the game, you know, and I do think as much as we try and stay grounded, we try and look at things objectively. I think we, I'm talking we as the entire Chargers nation, we kind of look at things and expect with the signings that we've made, with the uh, with the the inclusion of the draft, the fact we've got Justin Herbert, that we're going to blow teams up every week. And look, there's a lot of pride across the NFL. You know, e- even Detroit, who have been whipping boys over the last few years, you know, they, they put up some big numbers at the weekend. And the point I'm making is Houston are not going to lie down. You know, the, the, these guys, it's almost like the Chargers with, with Herbert have got a target on their back. We've just beaten Justin Herbert. Um, so you've got to expect teams to come out and play aggressive. This sport is 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 absolutely crazy. You take your eye off the ball for one minute, you're going to get beaten up. The, the game's going to turn around in an instant. I, and we've seen this over many years as, as Chargers fans. Uh, I think there was, I think seeing Drew Tranquil out there, um, he's really stepping up his game at the minute. And the, the fact, I know, I know Asante Samuel drew a penalty for a face mask, but he's, he's tackling hard. Sorry, uh, uh, Kenneth Murray did. Uh, Asante Samuel's uh, tackling hard. Derwin James just looks like he's going to be the MVP of the NFL. And that's not going to be the case because he's obviously a defensive player. Khalil Mack is back, as I keep tweeting out. There was lots of good positive uh, energy uh, in that game. And I think the one thing for me um, is, is Solia, a left tackle. Now, Sebastian Joseph Day has been in his ear since training camp saying, dude, you're a big dude. You, you've got what it takes to, to play in the NFL. And, and this is really important because sometimes players will react differently to a coach. They may get a bit withdrawn. They may be overwhelmed. The fact that you're you're a rookie and you're surrounded by coaches in your ear. But actually, when the players, when the senior players and the veterans can take them away to one side and say, look, dude, you've got what it takes to make it. And, and I think Lombardi has to be given some respect because they did scheme to right hand side to move the pressure away from 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 Solia, that's not going to work all uh, all season, and we're going to see a massive test on Sunday. We'll, we'll talk about that later. So there, there are lots of positives, but John, it's like you said, still too many mistakes. You know, I spoke to Bez in midweek because we were trying to arrange that the 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 podcast is being delayed. And Bez, I hope you get well soon. I know Dan's busy tonight um, because of the the reschedule, but I, I, I'm this is going to sound crazy. I'm kind of convinced, I've got it in my mind, that Lombardi and Staley are deliberately not showing their hand. And why do I say that? We we sat here in week 10 last year and the whole the whole NFL network, whole of media were talking about Russell Wilson being the MVP uh, and the Steelers being potential Super Bowl champions. But what happened? Seahawks crashed, the Steelers crashed. And I, I think to show all our cards now, we've seen trick plays. We've seen shovel passes already this season. It's way too early to be doing that. It's dangerous. If, if the Chargers are being slightly conservative, it's a dangerous game because we are seeing three and outs. And those three and outs really need to stop because we're, we're, we're not letting the defence rest and recover. And we see this time and time again, John, where the defence is getting gassed. When when Joey Bosa lost Melvin Ingram up top, he really, really suffered. And I do think that we do need to find our running game. I mean, it, it wasn't great against um, 
it, it wasn't great against Houston. I mean, 81, 81 yards of 27 carries. That's not good. Yes, Austin Eckler found the end zone twice, but that's not actually, in those 60 yards that he had, that is not eating up the clock. That's not allowing the defence to play because Derwin James and his and, and his and his group, they are playing super, super hard. Now, that must be incredibly difficult to keep doing when you've not had a lot of sleep, when you're on the road in different um, climates, when the offence are not giving you the chance to rest. So I do think there's an element of the Chargers not showing their full hand but it's a dangerous game. And I do think that we, we need to um, establish longer drives. Look, three and outs are three and out, but at least let's get into a position where we can kick a field goal and put three points on the board because we're going to start getting to these close games and it's going to really irritate everybody if we're losing a game by a field goal. We've seen this with, with Kansas City. We saw this with uh, Las Vegas last season. But overall, back to 500 football, really important. Really important that the um, the actual offensive line, four sacks we've given up, four sacks tied with, with tied with Dallas, I believe. That that's pretty crazy considering Lindsley's been out. Considering that we've now got a rookie playing at left tackle, and Matt Filer for some reason is being absolutely garbage by his standards. So there's lots to get into, and, and, and I think there's lots of things for the for the team, and there's lots of things for the coaches to address. But it's, it's two and two. We now go into Cleveland. And this is a whole different ball game up there at the Dog Pound. We know what happened last season. 40, uh, was it 47-42 and 89 points? I, I don't think my heart's going to take that one, John. Do you? <laughs> uh, it's going to be a heck of a ride for sure. So, we, I mean, we will see kind of what happens with that. But, you know, I... I I'm struggling to understand what exactly we're going to see. Okay. So, um, you know, the, the Browns, um, I don't know the Browns are up and down. Um, yep. Yeah. I mean, they just lost to Atlanta. I mean, that is, that's a pretty putrid loss. Yeah. In my opinion, Cause I don't 20, think the 23, 20. Yeah. The, the, the Falcons are not a good team in my opinion. They, they are not. Um, so they just lost to the, the Falcons. Uh, they've beat the Panthers. They've beat, the Steelers, and again, both, and I think Steelers suck. Yeah, I mean, Trubisky is not good. Najee Harris can't get anything going because that offensive line is terrible. Like, you know, I don't think the Steelers are very good, to be perfectly honest. Uh, they lost to the Jets in a shootout, 31-30, like losing to Flacco, not exactly ideal. Um, so it's hard to kind of gauge where exactly the Browns are at uh, the season. And obviously they don't have Deshaun Watson, right? And that's obviously good news. Uh, for for the Chargers, they don't have to go against Watson. They got to go against Jacoby Brissett. So, uh, the bad news is because of that, they've been really leaning and relying on the running game, which has not been an ideal scenario for the Chargers uh, in recent years. Now, um, you know the Chargers aren't haven't are definitely, in my opinion, a better defensive unit against the run as a whole. Uh, even though they do have some, uh, unfortunately, poor. Um, uh, poor timings for for big plays so you know it is what it is uh but I, I think it's going to be an interesting matchup because the browns don't have a very good defense like there's that that's something i'd have i have noticed is that their defense is very susceptible and now obviously they've been missing some players but still like 
there it's not just a player issue. I think it's an overall scheme and, and, and gelling issue where I just don't think the Browns defense is up to, up to the task. So I think that there are plenty of points to be had. It's can the chargers slow down the Browns uh, enough, uh, you know, to win this game. Now here's the good news. Chargers are going in my opinion, are going to be one of the, probably the top defenses um, that the, um, that the Browns will have faced this year. Right. I don't know who would be a, a higher. I mean, I guess maybe the Steelers were a better rated defense. Um, I, it, you know, DVOA, I think the Steelers are, are slightly better, but I, I do think that the Chargers are a better defense. No, um, the, the Steelers are actually 25th uh, oh. defensive DVOA. The, the Chargers, believe it, I'm looking at this live now, football outsiders. Okay. The, uh, the Chargers are 11th and we're 11 off offense as well. So we're sort of kind of middle, of the, just above middle of the road, which is, which is okay this time of the season, John, I think. Okay. Um, I mean, I'm actually, I just pulled it up and I've got Pittsburgh at 10 and Chargers at 11 in total defensive DVOA. Oh, sorry, sorry. You're right, my friend. I was looking at offensive DVOA. I do apologize. That's okay. <laughs> I, but, need go, I need to get down spec savers, get my eyes tested. Here's my point. I, I actually think the Chargers may have a slightly better defense uh, than the Steelers. And here's the difference. The Steelers have a dumpster fire of an offense, right? So much like we've seen in previous games, where a poor offense can make a good defense look worse than it is uh, because they're tired, like you said, because they're just three and outs are, are just putting them back on the field over and over again, right? Like the the NFL is geared towards offense, okay? Every time they come up with a new rule, it's to hamper the defense and to make it easier for the offense to um, to score or to make a big play. Just That's just how the NFL is. They understand as an organization that people want to see scores. They don't want to see 12 to 9 crap games like yep. last night they don't want to see that they want to see 40 to 40 47 to 42 they want to see shootouts they want to see big scores big plays they love that stuff okay so all the defense all the all the all, all the rules have been kind of slightly skewed more towards helping the offense out okay so the, the defense is already playing from behind in that perspective and then you put them on the field and yeah, they make some great plays, but ultimately the more the defense has to be out, the longer the defense is out there, the more likely you are for an offense to come up with that right play to confuse them or to find someone who's out of position, right? This It's just a fact. So when your offense is bad and you're constantly putting your defense out there, even if it's a very good defense, they're going to get burned eventually. Okay. So that's, I think what happened with Pittsburgh's defense where they just kind of got tired and, and turnovers and stuff just made it easier for the Browns to score. So they were able to kind of run up the score a little bit on them. I don't think that will be the case. I think the chargers will be able because they have a good offense, right? Not an elite offense right now, in my opinion, but a good offense. They have a good offense. Um, I think that they're going to be able to hold the ball, hopefully, uh, especially against a, a Browns defense that I don't think is very good. Uh, and I think that's going to limit the amount of time and exposure that the Chargers defense is on the field, meaning they're going to have more of an opportunity to continue to clamp down uh, and play extra hard against the Browns. So because of that, even though they are more susceptible to the run game, here's the thing. If you call the right run blitz, you, you, you cover the right holes, right? And you are able to stop two of the three plays for, you know, one or two yards and you put them in obvious passing situations, they're going to benefit the defense. Okay. No yeah. offense to Jacoby Brissett. He is a fine game manager, but if you're consistently able to make it third and long and Jacoby Brissett, that offense is going to struggle. And I think that is the key. The key for this game is going to be slowing down the run 
and putting them in third and long so they don't have the choice they have to pass. And if the Chargers can do what they did against the Texans, come out hot on offense, score on pretty much every possession, right? And get up to a, a you know a, a double digit lead, it's gonna force the, the the Browns to consider, hey, maybe we can't rely on running it. Maybe we're gonna have to start passing it because we're gonna run out of time trying to you know take 10 minutes to score one touchdown, right? So I think there is a recipe and a path for success against the Browns. And I don't think it's crazy to be perfectly honest, but they need to execute. So that's kind of how I'm seeing it. I don't know. Do you have any other perspectives on? Yeah. So I'm going to go to a quick one minute commercial break. When I come back, I'm going to give you three hot takes. um, I wrote about the other night and one of them sounds crazy and it's not. And I'll explain very, very shortly back after this commercial break. Hey, Bolt fam, the NFL action is in full swing at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins. New customers can bet $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. Check this out. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings, Stepped Up, Same Game Parlays. I like the Chargers at the Browns. The Chargers are going to hold the Browns to 100 yards rushing. Bold prediction, especially the way Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb have started the season. And I think Mike W will go for another 100-yard uh, game. To make things even sweeter, you can throw down a stepped-up same-gay parley once per game all season long. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TPPN to get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code TPPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Okay, folks, welcome back to Charge Up Bolts podcast. You're uh, here with uh, John Woods Jr. and John Ayers. We're talking Chargers at Browns. So John's just uh, explained before the commercial break how he thinks the game's going to go. He thinks our defense have got enough, and he and he does believe that our defense uh, will will perform much better. What the Steelers did now, my three hot tapes this game, and this is going to sound crazy. And let me explain. Last time we played the Browns, we were burned by Nick Chubb, 161 yards on the ground and a touchdown. Okay, this this year uh, Chubb is is running all over the place. He's he's put up three 100 yard games. Week two, I think he posted around 87. So the dude's on par for about 1,900 yards and 21 touchdowns throughout the regular season. He's also backed up by Kareem Hunt. On his day, can burn the Chargers, as as he did. I think he went for 70-odd yards last season. Now, the Chargers need a baseline target. Our run defense is much better than it has been in, in previous years. And I believe that 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 baseline target is 100 net yards rushing for the Browns. That is what our marker needs to be. Jacoby Brissett is not going to throw the football like Justin Herbert or any of the the other potent AFC uh, quarterbacks. He's going to rely on a run-heavy game, and our defence has to be prepared for that, which goes back to what we said prior to the commercial break. The Chargers on offence have to go on a sustained drive give the defence time to get gas back into their lungs and perform to the standards that we know that they can. Justin Herb, uh, sorry, uh, Derwin James and co, they are not going to go into this 
90 percent they're going to go in at 100 105 percent which means that they're going to be working super hard we have to give the defense a break and if we do that we can hold um cleveland to those 100 yards rushing because if they start opening up and we start getting exposed like we did before it's going to be a long long night now I did hear a podcast talking about how good the Browns' offensive line is. If you look at Jed, uh, Jedrick Wells, uh, Wills on uh, left tackle, he's given up 10 pressures this season, including two sacks. Their centre, Ethan Poich, has given up five pressures and a sack. I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, Mac coming up against the, the left tackle, and I wouldn't be surprised to see the likes of Mac and Jerry Tillery attacking the interior and trying to get in between the gaps between the centre and the left and right guard, because... I do believe that Mac will will have a field day um, on, on Sunday. He's been playing lights out. He's scored, all, I think, about forty five percent of the Chargers' um, sacks this season. He, he's just been elite, and we're starting to see other players come in now and, and register those sacks. I want to see Chris Rumpf coming off the edge and, and registering at least half a sack. Uh, he needs a couple of QB hits to get to get his uh, momentum up and get some confidence. Like you said, John, we've got to get pressure on this third and one situations. That's where we're going to be um, hitting Jacoby Brissett. And we go on to the offense. I think you explained, John, before we came on air, it doesn't look like Michael, uh, sorry, Keenan Allen's going to be playing. Michael Bandy showed up last week, two receptions, 49 yards. The dude has found ways to get separation, he's found ways to ex- uh, extend plays. And I'm, I think we're going to see a Michael Bandy touchdown if, if, if selected on Sunday, because he, he's he's a relatively unknown. Everyone knows what Mike W is going to do. You throw a 50-50 ball with, with uh, Mike Williams, it's going to be an 80-20 ball because of his size, because of his strength, because of his uh, athleticism. I think Bandy, um, they're going to, then there's not a great deal of tape on him. And I think the the the, the Brown secondary will, will be exposed. We will rely, we will have to rely on our passing game because we just haven't found our running game. And we, we are, again, we're looking at holding the Browns to 100 yards net. We need to be looking at establishing 100 yards net in order to eat up that clock, sustain those drives, and, and give the defence a break. John, this is going to be a massive challenge, I think. I think the, 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 the Browns are probably not playing as well as they were um, last year. And, and I've, I've read several articles that said the Browns could be 4-0. They could be 0-4, like you said. We don't know what they are. But the same could be said for the Chargers. You, you know, and I, I want to see another good performance. Neither of these teams will want to fall to, to two and three. There's, four, there's three teams in, in the AFC North at two and two. The Chargers are playing Las Vegas. Sorry, the, the, the Chiefs are playing Las Vegas this weekend. We cannot afford to lose another game and fall yet behind to, to the Chiefs. Because that's just going to be even more difficult to actually, you know, catch the Chiefs and win this division. So there's an awful lot on the line here, I think, for both teams, even though it is only week five. But, John, I think it might come down to some some basic mechanics of, of not drawing an offside flag, you know, not getting a face mask, just staying disciplined. And I, and I, and I think the Chargers, in, in, in some cases, are finding that really difficult because they want to go out, they want to get seven or eight sacks a game. They want to get two or three interceptions. Um, it's almost like they're trying too hard in, in some cases. Zebras, we know that the, the the officials 
uh, finicky. Um, and this is why you've got to maintain your discipline. And it'll be something silly that will potentially trip us up in this game. But John, do you think we can? Do you think we can, we can get over this Jekyll and Hyde first half, second half performance? Because again, that that worries me at, the, at this point. You know, at the eleventh hour. I mean, I sure hope so. I, I sure hope they can figure it out. Um, you know, my my thought is that they, you know, they just they get too conservative with the lead, and I don't know whose mindset that is. I don't know if that's um, Lombardi's mindset. I don't know if that is. Um, Staley's mindset. I don't know if there's an organizational tepidness, but I'm hoping that changes, right? Um, something that's an interesting note is that, um, you know, our kicker Hopkins is going to be potentially out of this game. They signed a, yeah. a kicker to the practice squad, potentially elevated him to the to the regular 52 man, 33 man. I mean, um, when game time starts, if, if Hopkins can't go, and I think that is an important thing to watch. And I think it actually might benefit the Chargers, to be perfectly honest. If Staley does not have confidence in his kicking game uh, because he's got some backup in there, maybe we're going to see a little bit more fourth and Staley. Maybe we're going to yep. see a little bit more aggressiveness. Uh, you know, once we start getting into um, field goal territory, uh, getting more aggressive with play calling, getting more aggressive with going for it because we don't feel like we can rely on maybe those 50 yard field goals that we would expect Hopkins to be able to make. So uh, it might be a good thing. It might be a good thing for them to play with without, um, you know, a healthy field goal kicker to show kind of like what happens when we go for it. Ultimately, there needs to be a killer mentality. Right. You know, you see it in some of these some of the best teams in the league, right? They get a lead and they keep they keep going, right? The Chiefs, perfect example. They get a lead and they don't stop. They just keep coming at you and keep scoring. Why? Because they understand that no lead is safe in the NFL, right? A botched kick, followed by a three and out, followed by a touchdown by the other team. That's a 14-point swing right there, right? Could have yeah. happened in a matter of minutes, right? Yeah. You know, theoretically, team scores. Touchdown, kicks off, fumble, that turns into a touchdown. Your next play, you turn it over or you go down on downs and they score another touchdown. That's a 21-point swing that may have happened within a, a seven-minute span of the game, yeah. right? Things can change that quickly in an NFL game because you have such dynamic players and things can happen. So I think that they understand that and they say, hey, you know, just like the Bills, like we got to lead, keep pounding, never stop. Never stop trying to score, never stop being aggressive because you never know when you're going to hit a lull and a few things bounce the wrong way. And now the other team has all the momentum and everything's going in the direction, right? I think that that could be a downfall for this team if they have that mindset. So my hope is that they can turn that around and not have that second half lull, because if they do, they just put themselves in a position, right? The worst thing you can do is leave the other team to hang around. Okay. You let them hang around. They have that confidence. Hey, we just need that one drive. We just need that one field goal. We just need that one big play and we're back in this game. No, you need to put it away. You need to take a big lead and you need to never, never let them get closer than two scores. If you can do that consistently, you will be a feared team, right? You will be a team that people make mistakes for. You know, it's, it's a, I call it the tired woods, uh, red, red Sunday, uh, syndrome. Okay. What does that mean? Well, Tiger Woods, when he was at his prime, he was so good. I mean, so good that players truly believe that in order to beat him, they had to play perfectly every single round, right? And that's four days of golf. So yeah. on Sunday, if he was sitting around and he was within a couple strokes, right? You, in the back of your mind, you're like, this guy could easily 
gain five strokes on me and win this tournament, right? Because he did it yeah. multiple times. So what did you have? Instead of players playing cautiously with the lead to kind of just cautiously win a golf tournament, what you had is guys making, you know, taking risky shots, you know, going for it when maybe they should have laid it up. Why? Because in the back of their mind, they knew, hey, this guy can come back from anything and win, right? The great teams are like that. The Patriots are always like that. And what does that happen? It forces teams to maybe do things that they wouldn't have already done. Right. And that's when mistakes happen. Okay. If you can force the other team to, to make mistakes because they feel like they can't just rest on their laurels, right? Then not only are you going to benefit by getting turnovers or botched plays or whatever, uh, but it also is going to uh, feed into the aura of your team. So I, that's what I want from this team. I want the Chargers to have an aura of this team can explode at any time. This team, when they have a lead, they don't give it back. So we can't let them get a lead and we have to play aggressively against them. Right. And when you play aggressively, you make mistakes. Okay. And, and this team has the players to capitalize on those mistakes. Okay. JC Jackson, Sante Samuel, Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa, Derwin James, all these guys are guys that can show up and, and make a big play, scoop the fumble, make that interception that can be the game changing turnover. Right. We just need them to have the opportunity. If teams are, are saying, Hey, you know what? We're still within a field goal. We're still within seven points. Let's just continue dinking and dunking, and we'll take one or two shots. And if one of those two shots hits, guess what? We're right back in this game, right? We cannot let teams do that. Yeah, we need to be aggressive. We need to drive up the score because if they don't believe they can dink and dunk and they have to try to push it, that's when our guys are going to get those opportunities. J.C. Jackson was a ball hawk in New England. Why? Because teams felt like they had to push it against New England. And when you push it against New England, you make mistakes. You give guys opportunities to make plays, right? One of the issues I think with J.C. Jackson this year is teams, I don't think they feel like they have to push it against the Chargers. I feel like they just have to keep playing. They feel like, hey, if we just keep playing our game, we have a shot at getting back into this. Yeah. And I think that's because the Chargers get soft in the second half. They need to quit it. Quit getting soft in the second half, okay? Put these teams away. Make them make them get aggressive, which causes mistakes to happen. Yeah, I mean, on, on J.C. Jackson, I don't think we're going to see – him to um, anywhere near his best until possibly week seven, uh, eight, um, coming after off our, our, our bye week because he, you know, he hasn't played an awful lot of uh, football. Uh, that surgery came late on, which which meant he missed the early part of the season. But I think there's going to be some interesting matchups this week, and it, Miles Garrett's going to be back for for Cleveland, which is not so great for us. Um, Solia is going to be put under the test, just as I said. Khalil Mack will attack their left tackle. Um, I think that'll be the same with with, with Miles Garrett. So I'm I'm looking to see how um, Joshua Kelly blocks. I know he, he did some. He, he made he made quite a few blocks last week, and whether or not Lombardi puts Everett in there, uh, the left hand side, just to just to shore that that up. But Solia is is not small, uh, and I'm sure he'll stand up to the test. Zion Johnson still hasn't given up a pressure. He's going to be tested again this weekend. But it's, it's going to all boil down to who's got that mentality and whether or not they've got it in them to, to, to ride it out. And I, and I think the other one, John, is, is we start to see interceptions now. You know, Bryce Callahan last week, another two picks last week for, for the team, which is great. I mean, we went through spells, didn't we, over the last two or three years where three or four games without an interception. Turnover is the key. Um, and I think I, I mentioned it last week when um, when uh, Mills got his, his his first that he threw that early pick. That's going to unsettle quarterbacks, and if we can unsettle their rhythm, um, I think that's going to be one of the keys to the game. 
But again, unfortunately for the Chargers, we're in a position now where we're, we're potentially looking at a backup quarterback. Our number one wide receiver is, is still out. But we have to learn to win with what we've got. If we can start doing that, like you say, John, putting these teams away, people are going to start to fear us. Because I do think that teams respect the Chargers. But it's not like you say, when, when Mahomes got the ball in his hands, there the probably a lot of teams thinking, well, we're, we're, we're just limiting his, his uh, ability to put points on the board. And that's how we need to be with Justin Herbert. But I do think that we need to keep Miles Garrett away from Herbert as well, because he's probably not 100% um, healthy. Lots of ifs, buts, ands and what's. I think, uh, if I remember rightly, uh, reading the stats, Nick Chubb, although I've said we'll, we need to hold the, the Browns to 100 yards, I think Chubb's have three times as many explosive uh, rushing plays as the entire Chargers team have. So, you, you know, there's, there's a lot on the line and, and people are going to look at this and say the Chargers are the favourites, but it, it's going to be tough up there in Cleveland. But I think it will set a marker to the to the AFC if we can win this one, John. Um, I mean, what's... I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll read out the predictions from our two co-hosts who are not here. So, we've got 24-27 charges. Bez is, is gone, he's gone with a narrow three-point victory. Dan's been a bit more hopeful. He's gone 27-17. Two low-scoring games compared to last year. What do you reckon? Um, I think it's going to be a slightly higher-scoring game. Uh, as I, as I do I. <laughs> I. I think playing against this defense is going to give them an opportunity to score points again. Uh, I don't think the Browns defense is as bad as the Texans defense, but I still see the Chargers. Um, and I think maybe playing in Cleveland and knowing their backs are against the wall here, I think they will play a little bit with more aggressiveness and a little bit more of a chip on the shoulder. So I think it's a, I think it's going to be 31 for the Chargers. I think they, I think second week in a row, they score 30 points. So I think, I think this defense is, is ripe to get, to get thrown on and, and to give up a big player or two here or there. So I see, I see a 31 point score for the Chargers. Um, however, I do see this being pretty close. I, I don't see them routing the Browns. I see the Browns really, really putting up a game. So I see the Browns also scoring almost 30 but it's 27. So I see 31-27. Okay. I'm, I'm actually going 35-31 charges. I do think that there's going to be points in this game, um, as, as we saw last year. And look, football's about being aggressive. It's about putting the boys to the board. So we don't want any 12-9s, unless, of course, we get a, a charges victory at 12-9. But I, I do think this will be a relatively high-scoring game. I don't envisage it's going to be the the shootout that it was in, in 2021, because I don't think my heart could take that to be, to be fair. Well, but, between you and me thinking they're scoring in the thirties. And then I think both of the other hosts are scoring at least 24 points um, for the chargers. If not 27, like that's pretty much a guarantee based off what we saw last year of a 17 to 10 win, right? <laughs> pretty much guaranteed they're only going to score 17 points. We're going to be like, oh, they're going to score a bunch of points here. It's going to be a blowout. And then they're going to score like, you know, two touchdowns out of field goal. Like, eh. like I said, I don't care. I don't care if it's an ugly game, to be honest. I don't care if they give Austin Eckler three, 35 carries and they win that way. If it works, do it. 
Okay. I just want the W. Okay. They are in a crucial stretch here. Let's talk about this for a second. We have, it's just you and me. We've got a little bit of time. We don't have anybody trying to run off and go celebrate in the streets because Eurovision's coming to the UK. Okay. We don't have any of that, (laughs) any of that fluff around here. Okay. We're talking about two most important things in the world, football and coffee. All right. So football right now, let's talk about the next three games. Let's talk about it. Okay. Browns, tough one in Cleveland, tough game. They need to come away with a win. I think they really do. If they can win that game, I think it's more of a downhill battle at that point. Like the Broncos. Now, mind you, the Chargers have a sorted pass with the Broncos. However, however, look at the look at that past. Every time it's a tough game, and every time it just seems like oh, they just gave that one away. It was in Denver. Most of the time, okay, maybe not every time, but most of the time, the Chargers have a real trouble playing at mile high. It's always a trouble game for them. Yeah, this coming up game is that SoFi, it's not a Denver. Okay, so I have high hopes for that game too. So I think that's a winnable game. And then the Seahawks, great story. Love me some Geno Smith. Love, love the fact that they just took a haul from the Broncos. I mean, took their future away from them, handed them a quarterback who is now completely underperforming. And the, and the Falcons are, or Falcons, the Seahawks are pretty much going, Hey, we're going to troll them by starting Geno Smith and have him be in a, a, a top quarterback. Now, do I think Geno Smith can continue to put up a top five QB DVOA passer? No, absolutely not. I think this is a flash in the pan, right? Uh, you know, Fitz magic Fitzpatrick, he would always start the season. Somehow he'd win the quarterback battle. Maybe it was injury or whatever. He'd be the unlikely starter and he would start hot. Like the first four or five, maybe even six games of the season, he would be like a man possessed. And everyone's like, Oh my God, it's Fitz magic, Fitz magic. And then what happened as uh, a one podcaster who I really enjoy in fantasy, Chris Harris likes to call him Fitz pumpkin, right? He would turn back into a pumpkin and he would go, Oh, that's right. That's why he's not a starting quarterback in this league. That's why he's just a backup because he would uh, regress to the mean right i think geno smith's going to regress to me i like the guy but it can't last right and that defense i think is playing above their head i don't think the defense is as good as they 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 claim to be especially since you know some of the teams they have put down so i think that is a very very winnable game and again another game at sofi another game they should win so at cleveland backs against the wall they win that game they win the next two games at home they get a break okay that's three in a row right and then what you have the falcons after that Another very winnable game. Okay, so now you're talking a four-game win streak, right? Five and then we've got then we've got three tough game. games of 49ers, yeah. Chiefs, and Cardinals. Exactly, which is why. And by the way, it's Chiefs at Arrowhead, right? Yep. It is. Uh, oh no, it's I know it's at SoFi, isn't it? The Chiefs. No, so, at so, 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 sorry, sorry, it's at Chiefs at SoFi. So that's good. So we at least get the home game. But it's the it's um, Arizona and Arizona. It is. At San Francisco, not an easy place to play with that defense, right? So there is a tough stretch of games. And then we're going to play the Raiders in Las Vegas, which who knows what that's going to be like, right? So the Dolphins. Well, the Dolphins are surprisingly a very good team this year so that you can't can't discount the Dolphins, at least as at home. So there is a tough stretch of games coming up. This team needs momentum going into this. And you can tell me all day long, momentum doesn't carry from game to game. Sure. But a positive attitude. Yeah. Okay. And belief in yourself. Those translate belief in the system, belief in the coach, belief and in each other and trust in each other as a team that all carries over. Maybe the momentum doesn't officially exist, but that confidence, all that that's exuding from an, from a good football team that does exist. So if we can take 
a six, five, six game winning streak into that tough stretch of games. That is a heck of a place to be. That is well, a we heck of a place to be. We should have. I mean, I was expecting Keenan to be back by now. He's not, but we should have Keenan yep. and Joey back for the Falcons game because you know, I, that, I, few... I, oh, I don't know about Joey. Uh, I think he might not be coming back until much later in the season. I know they say, you know, there's possibility of an earlier timetable. I don't believe it. No offense to Joey, but we've seen the story with Joey enough times. He's got yeah. lingering issues. It can take him time to get back on. Do not want him to rush it. If we can just get Joey back for Kansas City, that would be my best case scenario. And then, and then obviously the playoffs. And then the playoffs, Keep, keep, yes. keep yeah. you healthy for the playoffs. But yeah, I mean, look, it, it's there for the taking now, but we it all starts on Sunday. Um, and if we can carry the football, if we can eat that clock up, you know, and, and give the defense some oxygen in their lungs, give them a bit of a break. I forgot we, to mention, I'm wearing my, my LT. old school LT jersey. I've had this jersey for a very long time. I don't even remember how long. It's just fading. It's all the good stuff, right? I'm wearing this jersey for a reason, okay? It's because I think the Chargers need to really figure out the running game, and I'm trying to give them good running back vibes. And I love my boy Austin Eckler, but he right now is not the answer at running back. Okay. Now he's the answer as a weapon, right? His yak is elite when yep. he catches the ball, right? And I think they should use him more there, but they need to get an actual running game going. And I think the way to do that is to feed the hot hand. And there's only one hot hand. All right. Sure. It's my boy, Joshua Kelly. Choo choo. Yeah. Joshua and John, get and him think, more touches. Give yeah, it to and him. I, and I think they need to work out what to do with Sony Michelle as well. I think they need to. Use him um, a little bit, bit more wisely. I, I mean, look, this is where Joe Lombardi's been getting a lot of negative heat because of our running game. And it goes back to what I said right at the beginning of the podcast. Are we actually showing our full hand? Well, we might have to sooner rather than later. But let's look. We, we've got to be aiming for at least a minimum of 100 net yards on Saturday because you're just taking away 50%. Of, of your offense by just passing the football all the time. Yes, we've got an elite quarterback. We've got some amazing receivers, but we can't keep being predictable because it's, it, it just doesn't lend itself to a balanced offense and it lends itself to putting the defense on the field more than they need to be there. And they must be getting a bit fed up as well. with having to do twice as much work Um so it, it's all on the line. This could be the catalyst for our season going forward. We, we, realistically, John, we need to be not losing any more than five games if we've got to have any chance of, of, of making a wild card. Um, you know, and I talk about that in a negative way because saying that we're not going to win the division, and we, we've said that we can win the division, but we are now on the back foot with the Chiefs. Chiefs are going to beat the Raiders on Monday. I will heat Bezos at if if the Chiefs lose that game on, 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 on Monday, but we cannot afford to fall behind to, to Kansas City because Look, we've, got, we've seen we, this before. We've got a game against Kansas City in SoFi. Okay, a time for redemption. We split that series. That. We split that series. Our schedule is, is not the easiest schedule, but neither is theirs. They play similar teams. They also have to play the Bills, right? The Bills are still on yes. the schedule for them, right? So... Uh, unfortunately, Tampa Bay put up absolutely no, and to be honest, Tampa Bay 
does not look great right now. Um, I think I think they're still going to figure it out, but I, they don't look great right now. But the Bills are a good team, so I think the fact that they have to play the Bills still this year um, is beneficial, right? That's a, that's a game we don't have to play that could potentially help us, you know, uh, come claw back from from where our current position is. So if we keep up a good uh, record, you know. And, you know, if, if the divisional record is this, like if if our only loss in division is that one game to the Chiefs, that would, be, that would be ideal. OK, uh, if that's our only loss in the division and say, say, let's just say we beat the Chiefs. Right. Then we're their only loss in the division. Right. What if we end up with a similar record? Right. What else do they kind of go to? What's what's another tiebreaker that's put in the list? Similar games. Right. Yeah. So if we can play and beat teams that they've beaten theoretically we can come out of this looking pretty good yeah right so i'm not saying that that's what i want i would rather if i mean i would rather be able to win the division outright and not have to worry about tiebreakers but hey you know what tiebreakers are a thing and you know who knows maybe we can find a, a tiebreaker in there like like the colts game right if we have a similar record against the similar teams and we can go and beat the Colts, which I think we should be able to handily beat the Colts, right? That could give us a one-up advantage in a tiebreaker somewhere, right? Again, a lot of things have to happen for that to matter, but it is something to take to keep in mind that I've, them stumbling against the Colts is very beneficial to us. What's the uh, latest? Have we actually ruled out Rashawn Slater for the entire season? There's no way he's coming back. Um, originally, it was he's not going to play the whole season now there is some belief he could potentially make it back for the end of the season so um you know we'll see i mean who knows if, if everything goes well maybe he's an option to come back for the playoffs right and if if that's the case if we can you know again we winning the division back. winning the division to me is far-fetched i just I, I just don't think it's a possibility at this point the chiefs are playing too well yeah, yeah, they've got a lot of things going for them. I think it would be very hard for us to win division. I really do. Is it possible? Obviously, it's still way early in the season. Way, way possible. Do I think it's going to happen? I don't think so. I didn't think it was going to happen in the beginning of the season. I don't think it's going to happen now. So they're not probably winning the division. But I do believe this is still a playoff team. Possible that it's still very, very, very possible and likely, in my opinion, they make the playoffs. So if we can get to the playoffs with the rest of our roster in a good position and for some reason Rayshon Slater can come back for the playoffs, that would be huge. It would be massive, okay? I would, I mean, if you told me right now, hey, here's the deal. You're going to lose six games. You're going to end up 11 and six, but you will make the playoffs as as uh, as the as the la one of the last seeds, but you're going to get Rashawn Slater back and mo a mostly healthy squad. I would take that right now. I would forfeit the rest of the, I would just say, fine, don't play any more games. You give me Rashawn Slater back and a mostly healthy team for the playoffs. I would take that 100 times out of a hundred. Um, so whether or not that's going to happen, I don't know. It's a long shot for him to come back, but that would be an amazing turn of events. If we get him back, that's the whole idea of getting healthy before the playoffs. That could be a big one. Yeah. I mean, it'd be amazing if Rashawn came back and we had Solier as a swing tackle, you know, we're not relying on, uh, Storm Norton, because again, it's all about depth. To be honest, Sawyer had to me a project more of a guard projection than a tackle projection. And again, I'm not some offensive line guru, but I looked at him as a guard. So if we get if we get Slater back, we've got Pipkins is continues to play at, a, at a, the level he's playing at. Obviously, Lindsley back would be huge, and then um, and then you've got Zion playing like an elite rookie, right? Filer is our weak link. If we can move. Sawyer into that left guard and he could shore up our left guard. 
where would the holes be on that yeah, offensive line? I know. Where would the I, holes I, be? It makes you wonder whether or not Matt Filer is carrying some sort of minor injury that's affecting his ability to stand up. Maybe. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, here's the deal. Sawyer, to me, felt like he was a, a prospect for like maybe a guard position, and but they didn't need that necessarily in an emergency kind of tackle maybe, I guess. Um, he's obviously playing really well at tackle. How long that lasts, I don't know. I'm, I'm just hoping they can keep it up. But if he truly is able to uh, swing back in and play guard and he's our left guard of the future, they may have two years of a top offensive line. If that all works out. And again, I am projecting, I'm guessing that he's going to be able to translate into the guard. They're two different positions and they take two different skill sets. And yes, it's not just like, Oh, he's really good at tackle. Well, guard is technically an easier position. He could just be a guard and he'll be great. (laughs) It doesn't work like that. No, it does not. But I do think that he has the skills and he's got the body size um, for it. So. It just goes to show you as well how good Corey Lindsley is because when oh, Will Claps there at center, it's, it's it's a completely different, you know. And Claps not horrible, right? It's, no, it's not but, like we're but talking he, about but like. But he's not Lindsley. No. But he's not well, Lindsley, and that's Lindsley. That's the, the center is the quarterback of the offensive line. Yeah. He is he is directing things. He is call, He is che- he's checking. Uh, you know, he's checking out and calling out assignments. He's saying, "Hey, watch for this," or like it's such an important role to have that kind of a steady veteran presence as your center and for him to be gone. And for us to rely on clap, the whole dynamic changed in my opinion. So I think Lindsley back healthy is huge. I think outside of Rashawn Slater, Lindsley is probably our second most important piece because we can patch together guys around him. As long as Lindsley can be there to kind of lead the troops and kind of be our on field general for the offensive line. So, well, yeah, and I'm just wondering whether or not. I mean, if you look at um, if you look at Cleveland's secondary, they've not been particularly great this year, um, and it's whether or not Lombardi's going to let Herbert cook with with, with Mike Dub downfield uh, and re- really testing that 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 Cleveland secondary because I think if we can do that, then that might open up the running game because if we can, if, if you know, we, we've seen it, we've seen it before last. You know, last week we caught the defense off guard. If we can start, if we can do that, maybe in the third quarter against Cleveland, get the running game involved, keep the defense guessing, that could be another key to victory. Because I do think at the minute with with the charges, there's a bit of when things are not going quite right. You know, when we, when we're digging ourselves in a hole, people get a bit nervous trying to trying to rush plays. Who was it, Jacksonville? When we played Jacksonville, I think we were on our own four-yard line, and we were pl- trying to play hurry-up football, and it, it it ended in disaster. I think sometimes you've got to settle down, slow slow it down a little bit, just think about it a bit more methodically, as opposed to trying to burst out the door when we haven't got a running game. So, it, yeah, it's it, game management is going to be huge, but I, I want to see I want to see Newsom and Ward being tested on on. Uh, on Sunday, and I think Bandy, I think Everett, it's obviously Mike W. Abel to do that, and certainly Eckler, like you said, John, Eckler's yak is, is being amazing, uh, and it looks like Eckler's strength on this team is that hybrid back as, as opposed to a organic uh, uh, running back. But yeah, I mean, I was, I'm, I'm going to say this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw a name out there now. Here's the deal: as soon as I say this, everybody's going to freak out. When I say everybody, I mean our, you know. Our loyal listeners are going to freak out, but it's okay. Everybody stay with me here. I'm not saying he's the same player. I'm not saying he can do the same things. I'm not saying it's 
a one for one example, but if we look at, at, as an example, the way the 49ers use Debo Samuel, why couldn't Austin Eckler play that role? Right. Mm -hmm. Why could he not? Right. Debo is first and foremost, a receiver, but he gets plenty of kind of exotic running back touches, right? He gets screens. He'll get a pitch out. He'll get an actual handoff. Sometimes they even play from a wildcat kind of snap scenario. Like why can't they play Austin Eckler more like a Debo Samuel, where he's more of a receiver who does running back things. And then you use Joshua Kelly as a primary or even Joshua Kelly and Sony Michelle as your primary, right? That, to me, would be a really creative way to use Eckler to his most advantage. Now, again, Eckler to me does not is not a volume guy, right? We don't need to give him 25 carries a game for him to unlock himself, right? Some guys are like that. Nick Chubb is like that. Like Nick Chubb, he needs the volume, right? Because Jonathan might Taylor have, needs the volume. Jonathan Taylor needs it, right? They may they may not do anything their first 10 carries and then they break two big runs and you're like, I'm so glad we keep feeding him. Right. And he'll wear out the defenses. That's not what Austin Eckler's game is. If Austin Eckler gets five to eight carries a game, but you get him about 20 touches because you're throwing him the ball out of the slot or screens or whatever. Like to me, that's the best use of Austin Eckler, right? Get him 20 touches, but have more than half of them be as a receiving back or a receiver right that's the best way to use him and then have joshua kelly sony michelle and hopefully our we get to see our rookie running back that we drafted isaiah spiller you know get them some touches have them be the traditional running spiller. back team. we've not spoken about him have we spiller he is he hasn't been active for some reason again i don't know if this is a veteran prejudice going on in the locker room i don't know if he's truly doing something to piss the team off maybe he's just not good in practice maybe he doesn't look like a good practice player you know and in fairness I get that, right? He's not really performing in practice. He's not showing in practice what we want to see. I don't care. This running game is shit. Okay, sorry for get swearing. It. It's crap. Okay, <laughs> it's crap. Okay, he. I don't care how bad he looks in practice. Give him a shot in the Give real game. Shot. Okay? Give him a shot. We're talking about practice. Practice. We talking about practice? I don't no, think so. No. I don't care about practice. I think Messi cares about practice. I think Ronaldo cares about yeah. practice. Do you, do you think Jesus, the best player in the Premier League right now outside of Highland, <laughs> cares about practice? I don't think so. Good. I mean, good. going back to Debo Samuel, I've just pulled his stats. 19 carries, 113 yards, 5.9 yards attempt. Is that not something that the Chargers are missing right now? I mean, he, again, they have more traditional running backs, but why couldn't yeah. Eckler be that guy, right? And maybe you give him a few more running back handoffs than you would Debo, but still, I think if you <clears throat> skew Eckler more of that direction, right? We, what are we really missing? We're missing that guy. We're missing, you know, what, what is something that Tua has right now that's really to his advantage? He's got that Waddle and Hill just kind of crossing route where you yeah. can just kind of hit him and let him do something with the ball. Send Austin Eckler on some crossing routes, man. You see him, sometimes they send him on a wheel route and it is perfection. Right when you can get Eckler running that wheel route down the sideline, and he's got some space, and you can drop him the ball. Whew, watch what he he's, does with he's it. He's unstoppable. He, you know he can be if you can get him some momentum and some space. Watch out, you're gonna get some good chunk. I plays, mean, this right? is what this is what I don't understand. Bandy two receptions for 49 yards last week. That 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 is not that is not look. look I love Joshua Palmer. I do. I think he's a great. He was a great pick. I think he. I think there's going to be a definite place for him in this offense in the future. But this team needs somebody with some sort of quick twitch kind of explosiveness. And I think 
I think everybody who and I was one of the people who were like, forget about Bandy. He's not that big of a deal. He's not that impressive. He's whatever, right? Maybe he is. Maybe he's better than we think. Maybe he's the kind of spark that they need on this offense because they're not getting it anywhere else. Crossing routes. You've got Bandy with speed. You've got you've got um, Mike Dub with with size, athleticism. You've got DeAndre Carter, and I think this is what's been picked up by some of the other, some of the some of the journalists around the NFL. I don't want to start stirring the pot, but I have heard it say multiple times that Sean Payton would be sat watching Chargers playing going, wow, if only I could get my hands on those players. Now, that's not me advocating that Sean Payton comes in and Staley goes. I'm advocating for Sean Payton to be the next head coach (laughs) of the Chargers. Or you know what? Sean Payton, spend more time with your family, okay? Just come in and be the offensive coordinator. That's fine with me. Well, there you go. You hit the nail on the head. But we have got the weapons to unlock most, if not every defense. Um, we need to see it. And we need to start putting teams to bed and, and just rolling because Herbert is frigging awesome. Um, we've got some, you know, touch wood. We haven't seen too many drops this year. Last year was, I mean, Austin Eckler last year, 20 touchdowns. And he, he and... Uh, Keenan Allen had some uncharacteristic drops. Keenan hit the nail on the head. Herbert is not going to slow down those missiles. Just catch the frigging football. That's what you're paid to do. Herbert's lasers are going to be lasers for the next 12 years and teams, the players need to adjust to that. So that's it. That, that That's what it is. But we... I want to see some explosive plays on. I want. I want to. I want to really see us coming out fighting on on Sunday because we've already spoken about what the the Browns can do to you. Um, Van Noy is looking like a doubt as well, which is not great. To be fair, um, we could have done with him for for, for rotation. Um, and Chris Rumpf, do you want to see him getting more snaps, John, or do you think he's he is what he is at the minute? Um, I mean, it, to be honest, Calvin Noy. Stepped in and I thought did a really great job last week. Um, so I don't really think that Rumpf is quite there yet. But again, as a good rotational piece, as a good change of pace edge, I like him. He's got a good spot there. I just don't think he's ready to be no. a primary edge edge player. So. And, and this is what I like. Um, you're starting to see now a bit of a upwards trajectory with with Rumpf, with with uh, ASJ, and with Kenneth Murray, and that needs to keep going. I think Kenneth Murray he, he does look um, like that that extra bolt that he's put on is paying off. Unfortunately, to draw that penalty last week, just needs to stay disciplined, but we need that aggressiveness. I mean, Drew Tranquil's playing light sight right now. You know, he's hitting like a, a mo, and I just can't wait to see what doing James does, to be fair, on on, on Sunday. Um, yeah, I'm super, I'm super hyped up. And I think we always get like this head into game day, but I think we should as well, John. This is, this is a team that's got some exceptional players on the roster. We just need to bring it together. It's easier said than done, sat behind the mic, talking <laughs> nonsense, but we just need to... We just, the Browns are beatable. Obviously, the Chargers, they've both got an identical record. This game is there. I, I, I think it would... I think it would be a bit, you know, not not you know, not, not saying that we're people are going to be talking about the Chargers in a Super Bowl context, but I think if we if we win in Cleveland on Sunday... People will sit up and and take note of that and say, well, maybe the Chargers, the other two defeats, one against Jacksonville was a bad day at the office, and the Chiefs is, is always a close game anyway. 
but it's what happens if things don't start going our way. Because at times against Jacksonville, I think Coach Staley looked like um, he was rabbit in the headlights. And look, we've seen this with every head coach up and down the league for generations. When things are not going your way, you don't accept, you don't see a, um, a head coach of any sport with a smile on his face. Um, it's what we could do in the face of adversity. And we saw that against Houston. To lose against Houston last week would have been an absolute disaster, even at this early stage of the season, because they are one of the worst teams in the NFL. Uh, but they're obviously fighting for pride. So I, want, I just want to see a, a victory. And I want, I want to see some good performances out there. And, and yeah, and, and, and stop with the conservativeness, because that is where I think we'll, we'll potentially come unstuck against Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt. Uh, look, Miles Garrett's back. He's going to want to make his uh, mark. We don't know if Jadadian Clowry's going to play. I don't think he's the defensive end that people thought it was going to be over that first round trip. Was it 20, 2012 or 2013, whatever it was? But he's, he's got, he has got the ability to stop plays. So, you know, we're going to have to be on our toes and we're going to have to be at our best. But I said it before and I'll keep saying it, whatever Justin Herbert's got the football in his hands, Things will happen. Final thoughts? Um, glad we're not Bronco fans. <laughs> what do you think a... to the shall we shall we mention that fumble? Shall we? Uh, I no comment. No, I just no comment. All I gotta say is that is a it is a they're in a really, really bad situation. I mean, really bad there. So I'm glad that that's not our situation. I mean, and to be honest, the, the Broncos are a prime example, and even the Browns, for um, uh, for that matter, are a prime example of how important it is for us to have Justin Herbert, right? What they were willing, willing to give away from a, an assets perspective, and then what they were willing to pay these quarterbacks to come in and play for them because they were not able to find their own franchise quarterback is just a warning sign for all teams. Dra- spend a lot of time mm-hmm. drafting quarterbacks because if you don't have one, it's obvious and it's a problem. So I'm just glad we're I'm glad we're not Bronco fan right now because they are they're in a tough Look. spot. That team is bad. So I'm just glad about that. I'm cautiously optimistic about this Browns game. Uh, I'm I'm afraid it's actually not going to go very well, but I, I, I still am going to be cautiously optimistic. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Look, it's uh, it's been a fun episode. Although we spent the first ten minutes talking about coffee but yeah let's let's hope we can uh enter let's hope we sat here in five or six days time talking about um a potential to go four and two because that that would be great we, we don't want to lose this one and i don't think we can afford to you know we've got to win as many games as possible it's oh hey, we'll see thank you herbert he's just talking in his presser right now obviously we can't hear what's going on because we're recording this final thoughts from me just play your hearts out, guys. Just do your thing. Stay disciplined. Give Herbert the football. Let's get Mike Williams more involved. And let's just pray that Miles Garrett doesn't have one of his best <laughs> games of his uh, uh, career so far. John, where can we find you on socials? Uh, as always, you can find me at Adroit Airs, hashtag Audible Chocolate. You can find me at Endzone85. Uh, you can find us at charged up underscore bolts. Um, charged up underscore pod is the obviously the handle for this. 
Bez is Spaniard and UKLA Chargers. Obviously, Bez and Dan not with us tonight. Bez, get well soon. I know you're not well. Um, I know that you were saying that you can't talk earlier. Hannah must be delighted. <laughs> but no, look, everyone, thank you for listening. Um, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for watching on YouTube. Enjoy the game. For those of you traveling to Cleveland on um on, on Sunday, tweet us and we'll retweet those uh, amazing pictures that you guys keep sending through. Final point, John, when's your next home game? When you when you next back to SoFi? Uh, it's hard to say. Um, I had originally planned for my child's time off to go in October uh, yep. around Halloween. But uh, when the schedule came out, plans were ruined because that's their bye week. So uh, going to Orlando instead. So that'll be exciting. Instead of a Charger game, I get to go to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. So it's good. It's good. I, I like. I'm it sure. Well. I'm sure it's. I'm. I'm really not a big Wizarding World guy. If I'm going to be particularly honest, um, my wife. Top, and top my tip. Car. Top tip. I don't. Know, was the last time you went? I went in 2017. Take three credit cards because man, you're going to need it. Twenty five dollars now. Parking fifty preferred. Yikes. I'm just going to stay home and watch football. Yeah, and let's hope. Let's hope. Emma does not want a magic wand and a cape because that's another six hundred dollars down the pan, my friend. <laughs> oh my! My wife is my wife already ordered the uh, the pottery barn Harry Potter outfit, which no! is probably like a hundred dollars more than a regular Harry Potter outfit. So I've seen your garden. Just go get some twigs and tell Emma that this is a magic wand that you bought. That's from the, exactly uh... what I'm saying, but whatever. I don't know. Anyways, all right, that's it, John. Right. It's been fun. Been uh, fun. Thank you for listening. We will catch up next week for another fun-packed episode of the Charge Up Bolts podcast. Bez and Dan, come back soon. This is what happens when you let us run the show ourselves. It's chaos. (laughs) Chaos! Bolt up! Bolt up!